Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. We are back again. It's a new week and everything's great. It's summertime here. It's hot. Summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime. Summertime, summertime. I don't like it. No. Summertime, I hate summer. I don't like summer It is my least favorite season of the year. Summer is not fun. No once, bueno. Once you graduate from school, what the heck is the point of summer anymore? It doesn't it, help now. I mean, I'm a parent, so I'm like double tortured by it. It's just <laughs> it's just hot. And I can't vacation anywhere because everyone goes there and takes their, their kids with them. Oh, I thought you were going to say they take their shirts off. Yeah. No, I was going to say... You're one of those guys that gets in a swimming pool with your shirt on? No, I was going to say they're stupid kids. Stupid But then kids. I thought some of our listeners might actually have children. And I don't want to alienate them. Well, we'll assume that if there are listeners that their kids aren't stupid. Oh, I'm sure not. Probably the smartest kids ever because of their awesome parents. It's true. It's true. <laughs> are we going to do question of the month first? Yeah, we should get that out of the way. Because we, we'll do the first one first. Because these issues are so time intensive and we're going to have such huge discussions about how awesome they are. We'll do the first one first and the last one last. It doesn't really matter. Okay, here we go. Question of the month. Who is your favorite author? That's rough. That's hard. Are we going to go comics or at all? Why don't we do both? Let's start with comics. Lately, I would probably have to say Brian K. Vaughn. Good choice. Solid uh, choice. Other than, what's that one he's doing now? Killer Be Killed, I think, is the only one of his books that I don't like. Oh, wait. Did he do Velvet? Is he the one doing Velvet? No, that's a Brubaker. Yeah. I usually like Brubaker, but I don't like that book. Brian K. Vaughn's up there. I had you know a huge run with Matt Fraction. I liked his stuff, but then recently, I, yeah, some you of the things Matt, he's doing just don't interest me as much. You and Matt Fraction had a huge run. We had a huge run together, skipping through the meadows. Boy, that's hard. Nick Who Spencer, I? I like Nick Spencer stuff. My favorite comic writer. I like all the writers that you've mentioned. They're all solid. Um, I would say Ed Brubaker as well. Yeah, because I actually like Velvet quite a bit. Um, my favorite Avengers writer is probably uh, probably Roger Stern. Yeah, you've been grading his issues so high. I can understand yeah. why you like him so I know, much. Right? Uh, it's hard for me to say. I would say right now, I mean, at the moment, I, just to pick someone different than what you've picked, I'll pick Greg Rucka. I really, I really like Lazarus. I don't uh, think I've read anything by Greg Rucka. Really? You really should read Queen and Country. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> uh, it's my enthusiasm level. What about, what about your favorite non-comics writer? Kurt Vonnegut, all time. Really? Yeah, I love Vonnegut stuff. I would say Agatha Christie. Shut up. Uh, no, seriously. Really? I grew up reading mysteries, and Agatha Christie... Did I... parents lock you in a room or something? <laughs> I love her books. I really do. I mean, I have a lot of authors that I really enjoy. Um, and obviously, Agatha Christie doesn't write a lot anymore, but then now that it's Kurt Vonnegut, so... Well, yeah, there's reasons for that. Previously on The Avenging Hour, Star Fox helped Vision gain some extraordinary abilities, and the team captured the fugitive Moonstone and Blackout. And our hearts. The team was then called away to California by Tigra. In their place, a group of reserve Avengers appeared on the David Letterman show and tangled with the awe-inspiring evilness of Fabian Stankiewicz. And now episode 108. And we start with Avengers number 240. This is from February of 1984. And it is by Roger Stern and Al Milgram with a plot assist by Anne Nascenti. Actually, what do they call it? Is it? It is a story consultant, Anne Nascenti. Do we talk about Anne Nascenti? We've talked yes, about her, but do we do we ever actually talk about her? Yes. We did the whole thing about how she dressed up as Spider-Woman for the cover of the Fumetti issue of Spider-Woman. and So she was writing... She was a writer, and then she went to become a magazine editor. She was editor at High Times and a bunch of other stuff. She was writing the Spider-Woman book when it was canceled. Yes. And so... And Mark Grunewald was the editor, wasn't he? Yes, he was, after having written it for most of its things. So she... So she ruined his book. Well, she... <laughs> she's the one that ended the series, which is why she gets called in here for two issues. And at the end of Spider-Woman, the Spider-Woman's last issue, she killed her. Right. And something she regretted. So she came back here for two issues to try and... So she's not dead. She's dying. Or yeah. Trying to rectify dead. that. All righty. Here we go. The Avengers have gathered at the hospital bedside of Jessica Drew, 
also known as Spider-Woman. Tiger has called them there as she believes that Jessica's ghost is haunting her, which is weird because that suggests Drew is dead. But if she's dead, why is she in a hospital as they are usually reserved for the not dead? Helpfully, Tiger now describes her friend as mostly dead, which is good as then Miracle Max can fix her right up. Wasp, She-Hulk, and the Scarlet Witch are in the room with Tigra, and they have one teensy little problem. They have no idea who Jessica Drew really is. Or, well, they didn't. Looking at her, they're finally remembering her, but Avengers Annual number 10 wasn't that bad, and it did have Michael Golden Art, so they really should have remembered her before this. She was even at that brunch the Wasp held to find a new female Avenger. Why the memory lapse? Tiger explains that everyone has been having that memory lapse, and then she summarizes the end of Spider-Woman's recent comic series. Apparently, a bunch of lame West Coast heroes had been captured by some even lamer villains, and when the heroes escaped, they went back to Jessica's house to party down. However, during the party, they suddenly all got hit with a mind zap, making them forget who everyone else was and why they were at this house in the first place. Most of the guests left, but a few stuck around and found Jessica Drew's mostly dead body lying in the courtyard with no clue as to what happened to her. Seeing her, their memories returned, and they rushed her to the hospital. Since then, Tigra and the Shroud and other losers not important enough to name have been keeping an eye on Drew. And that's when they started seeing the ghost of Spider-Woman. Tigra was hoping the Avengers had brought Don Blake, world's greatest doctor, to help figure out what happened to Spider-Woman, but of course he's off doing Odin knows what at the moment. Leaving She-Hulk behind to guard the room, the Wasp leads everyone else out so they can formulate a plan. The Wasp sends Captain Marvel and the Scarlet Witch to find an expert in magic, since they think there's something mystical about this whole thing, while the Wasp and Tigra head to the Quinjet to get an understudy for Don Blake, world's greatest not appearing in this book. Leaving Tigra and Star Fox outside the Quinjet to rot like dogs in heat, the Wasp calls the Vision. He says everything's A-OK at the mansion, but still no word from Capra Thor. Vision also detects an odd power fluctuation, but he'd rather glare at the computer than mention that to the Wasp. For her part, the Wasp is trying to get in touch with Don Blake, world's greatest absentee physician, but she has no luck. She decides she'll have to try someone else. Meanwhile, Wanda and CM have contacted Doctor Strange, who's more than happy to act as their magical advisor. CM goes to pick him up in the Quinjet, and on the way back to the West Coast, the Wasp calls and asks them to pick up the person she's turned to for medical advice, Dr. Henry Pym. Who? Wait, what now? Is he seriously the only other medical person she knows? He's not even a medical doctor. He's a biochemist. Does she seriously not know any other doctors? Not even her own GP? I mean, if you want someone to turn Jessica Drew's heart monitor into a killer robot, fine, call Dr. Pym. But for medical advice? Jeez, why not just reach out to Doc Ock, Dr. Doom, or Dr. Bruce Banner? They all have doctorates as well. I like Pym, but whatever. CM and Strange stop somewhere in the Midwest to pick up Pym, and he and Strange chat merrily in the back seat of the Quinjet while the Black Avenger chauffeurs them back to the hospital. <laughs> back at San Francisco, the Wasp sends the experts to check out Drew while she goes outside to get some air, overwhelmed either by seeing her ex-husband or by the realization that she's chosen a research scientist as a medical expert when Stephen Strange is already there and he actually is a medical doctor. Sorry, I'll let this go now. While She-Hulk and Tiger gossip about her behind her back, the Wasp finds company on the roof in the person of the Shroud. But who cares about them? Let's go check out what's happening with Spider-Woman. Pym's hooking up some machinery and Strange is doing the magic thing and soon the Sorcerer Supreme declares that Drew's mind has fled her body. But where? To get more information, let's head to the Astral Plane, where we find the mental essence of Spider-Woman hanging out with the mental essence of a creepy-looking monk type from her former title named Magnus. 
Magnus immediately becomes one of my least favorite characters when he launches into lengthy flashbacks, reminding Jessica that he had pulled her astral essence from her body so that the two of them could travel back in time and fight Morgan Le Fay, apparently an old enemy of theirs. This went well with Spider-Woman destroying Morgan's body. However, when they returned to Drew's body in the present, they found that Morgan had killed it and Drew could not re-enter it. Well, mostly killed it. Magnus then cast the spell that caused people to forget Drew at her insistence so that everyone wouldn't be sad she died. Jeez, take your ego down a peg, Jessica. I think they'll get over it. It seems that Magnus sucks as a sorcerer and his spell isn't working very well. Then the big bozo breaks down, admitting that he loves Drew and was hoping she would stay with him forever, and he hasn't been trying too hard to return her to her body. He knows that was wrong, so now he's going to give it all he's got and try to put Drew's essence back in her physical body. Rhyming spell activate back at the hospital strange senses drew's astral essence trying to return to her body and he tries to help astral essence is my favorite shampoo (laughs) but but when the astral essence gets near the body energy starts shooting out and suddenly the astral essence is trapped immobile what happened well back on the astral plane we see morgan lefay has zapped magnus with a spell and she's preventing drew from reuniting her mind and body so that drew will die and morgan can claim her body and live again to be content oh wait wait a minute a story about a non-avenger character endless flashbacks to scenes from another title more guest stars and avengers in the book is this an annual mm. uh our roll call is wasp she hulk scarlet witch captain marvel and star fox we also see tigra spider woman the shroud the vision dr strange and everyone's favorite general practitioner dr pym <laughs> uh, our villain this issue is morgan lefay tell us all about morgan lefay must dive. Do you want to tell us about the shroud? Well, let me tell you about the shroud first. The shroud's first, or the shroud's name. Is... Nerf nurse. <laughs> the shroud's the gun. The shroud's name is Maximilian Coleridge. Of course it is. Uh, uh. But he's a he's a Dickens villain. <laughs> <laughs> he so is. Jeez. Oh my gosh. He first appeared in Supervillain Team-Up. He first appeared in Great Expectations. He first appeared in Supervillain Team-Up number 5 in April of 1976. He's kind of a Batman type. He also saw his parents killed in front of him at a young age. Wait, was... how did he see him? I thought he was blind. No, not then. No. He was 10. He joined the cult of Cali when he got older to study martial arts. And when he graduated, as part of his graduation, they blinded him <laughs> and replaced his sight with a type of ESP. Thanks. Yeah, I hope he didn't have to pay for that schooling. Here's your diploma. Ah! (laughs) He became the Shroud to fight crime and decided the best way to start his crime-fighting career was to kill Dr. Doom. (laughs) You gotta love the fact that he aimed high. Hey, why not? That got him involved in Supervillain Team-Up and uh, with Captain America and other heroes. Uh, During a fight with Captain America, allied with Captain America, fighting against Dr. Doom, he got blasted by a ray which gave him the power to access the Dark Force dimension. He's he's basically bummed around the universe a little bit since his time, his short time in Supervillain Team Up. Basically, he's a martial artist who can who can summon dark force, which he can use to to make it basically dark, really, really dark, <laughs> really black, so nobody can see but him because he doesn't see. He has his ESP stuff. That's the Shroud. I like the Shroud as villain or as villains as heroes go. I think the Shroud is interesting. I mean, he's very street level, but we will be seeing him again very quite a bit actually coming up in West Coast Avengers. I don't mind the Shroud because he's on the West Coast and you don't see him that often. Yeah, yeah, he's probably best. in... they tried to give him a, a mini series one time. Yes, it was. I have that. It wasn't very good. Mm-mm. Then you get involved with the Night Shift, that weird group of 
I love the night shift. Weird tattered Demalion and uh, oh I really do love the, the night Brothers shift. Grimm. I think they should have done a comic based on the night shift rather than the Shroud in a solo book. I would have done a, I would have read a night shift comic with the Shroud in as the team leader. We also see for the first time Morgan Le Fay. Uh, she first appeared in the in comic books at all. Of course, she first appeared in Arthurian lore. <laughs> But she first appeared in comic books in Black Knight number one back in April, no, back in May of 1955. But her first modern appearance was Spider Woman number two in May of 1978. Yeah, how did she end up being a Spider Woman villain? That doesn't make sense. Ask, I think it was Mark Grunewald. Ask Mark Grunewald. I can't do that. Obviously, there is a Morgan Le Fay in Arthurian legend, and this character is much like her. She was born in the sixth century during the days of Camelot. In Marvel Comics, she was a basically decent, if somewhat jealous person who stumbled upon the Darkhold, and the Darkhold turned her evil. Evil. Magnus, the dork with the haircut, (laughs) was her apprentice, who realized... Wait, he was her apprentice? He was her apprentice. I thought he was Merlin's apprentice. No, he was hers. And he realized the Darkhold had turned her evil, and so he turned against her, and they've been enemies ever since. She was killed in the 6th century, but she obviously has kept herself alive for centuries on the astral plane right which brings me to one of my questions in this plot why is jessica drew's uh astral plane presence going to dissipate if they don't do something these people seem to be alive for like eons in the astral plane i believe that the reason is because she the the only reason morgan Le Fay and magnus can survive on the astral plane is because they are sorcerers they're magic users so they they know the astral plane but because she's a civilian uh she's a layperson. They're, the only thing keeping her alive on the astral plane is Magnus. And he doesn't have the power to do it for long. Because, I don't know if I mentioned this, but he is crap as a, as a magic <laughs> user. Not good. He's about as good as the magic user in the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. You might as well just give him a hat and let him pull things out of it. Presto. Yeah. I have one note on this book that I'm going to do first. Well, you forgot to mention Daddy Longlegs. How could you not mention, did he not have a speaking role? No, he did not. Uh, the only note I'm going to make about the issue that I haven't talked about is on the cover, which says, Ghost Starring Spider-Woman. Awesome. Which was actually a nice pun that I really enjoyed. So Jessica Drew's friends were all there, and they did this thing. All these friends, these idiots, Gypsy Moth and whoever those two old dudes are with capes on. They're the villains, right? <laughs> yeah, they're the villains. That's TikTok. He was in TikTok will be in, in Night Shift. I don't know who the other guy is. Yeah, he's, was he, he's not the master. He's some, Lo- He's Locksmith. Locksmith, right. He's the one who, I think, does all this stuff. So her friends don't remember who she is because of Magnus. Because Jessica Drew thought, oh, no, if I die, my friends will be destroyed. <laughs> Get over yourself, Jessica Drew. So these people snap out of it, and they find her body. Um, if you didn't know who that was at the time, and you were in this apartment, wouldn't you just be like, well, I'm out of here? <laughs> Which is why I know if doubt. Some of them are like, see ya. <laughs> why don't we just shove this dead body under the bench, and we'll clear out as soon as we can. I love, I love the picture of them on the sofa. Shroud looks so uncomfortable. Tiger's all, you know, in a catty pose as she normally is, and, and the little guy, Mickey... See, the little guy who's scared by everything. They seem like they're doing okay, but the Shroud has got his legs crossed with his leg on his other leg, and he just, or his arm... His arm's crossed and his leg's crossed, but he looks so uncomfortable. And Daddy Longlegs is pulling like a Hank Pym where he's sitting on a piece of furniture or on the floor because he doesn't fit anything else. I love the fact that that her friends start... Wait, is that in this issue? Her friends start getting freaked out because she starts appearing to them as a ghost? Yes, that's this issue. Okay, well, no, I guess it makes sense now. Because I was thinking, wouldn't they know she was Spider-Woman? But they probably wouldn't know. So if this ghost of Spider-Woman started showing up, they'd probably be... No, they know she's Spider-Woman. Oh, do they? But they think she's dead. Or almost dead. I still don't get quite... If they think she's dead, why she's in a hospital. Do they not understand how hospitals work? None of this makes any sense. Magic is not the Avengers wheelhouse the only reason that this plot works at all is because dr strange is here 
Otherwise, yeah. they would just be them in her room going, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know what any of this is. What do we do? Well, that's why this seems so much like an annual. Yeah. Because it's really all about – it's really what Roger Stern is forced with is cleaning up the mess that was left when Spider-Woman's book was canceled. Yeah, my, my one note here is, ugh, Astral Plane, Morgan Le Fay, none of this is Avengers-related. Though Morgan and, Le Fay uh, will become – I mean, after this time, she will show back up in the Avengers again. Yeah. Uh, she's never my favorite. I, I agree with you that I don't think the Avengers are – Best suited for finding magical threats. Though I think Kurt Busiek uses her to pretty decent effect. Well, I mean, if we're going to do notes, should we do notes like as I usually do where we go through the book? Like, yeah. T- Tigra and Star Fox are so going to get it on. I don't know why they Oh my gosh, alone. right? Really, Wasp should have like taken the phone out of the Quinjet and been like, you know what, guys, why don't you get in here so you're not arrested for indecent exposure? <laughs> I like that when Captain Marvel picks up uh, Strange and Pym, she's excited to be hobnobbing with the world's greatest biochemist. That's what passes for celebrity in Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Everyone, well, I mean, oh my but, gosh, it's the world's greatest biochemist. I know. I have my favorite biochemist. I'm sure you have yours. <laughs> I have the list in my pocket right yeah. now. Just in case I happen to run into one of them. That's why I go to the biochemist conventions. Biocon 17. It's cra- it's crazy. I mean, the screaming and the... the <laughs> well, usually it's the screaming because Dr. Pym has created somebody that's trying to kill everyone, but... <laughs> screaming in fear yeah. as you flee. My only other note is, so Spider-Woman was basically kidnapped by her ghost mentor because he was lonely. And horny. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was very creepy. I'm not sure what he thought she would see in him. You like my my burlap robes or the bald spot on the top of my head? I know, right? It's all right. Friar Tuck is totally my type. Yeah, he is a thinner. He's like Friar Tuck after an exercise program, like not the full program. He's like Friar Tuck still a little bit, a couple rounds. Friar Tuck after a month or two at Jenny Craig. All right, so you got nothing else? I've got nothing. Let's else. move to bullpen bulletins. Jim Shooter is overwhelmed with mail and will name an assistant to help him read it all. However, yeah. he will still look at all submissions, which is. Kind of quaint, because they don't do that anymore. No, no, not at all. Also, they ask for feedback for Assistant Editor's Month. I don't know if you are familiar with Assistant Editor's Month. Oh, did they have an Assistant Editor's Month? Yeah, they didn't really talk about it much. That's interesting. But if you can can cast your mind back, they would like feedback. I know you like this, so I want to point out that the Bob Layton Hercules limited series debuts. Actually, no, I never read it. Yes, you have. No, I've read the... Did you read the first one or the second one? I read the graphic novel. Oh, okay. I don't think I've read the limited series, but I read the graphic novel. Bob Layton's Hercules graphic novel, it's not actually that bad. I believe he does two limited series. He has this yes, one you are correct, he like does. Three or four years later. They, and what's interesting about Bob Layton's Hercules limited series is they take place in the future. The, the future. future! Yeah, so it's not, it's so which is kind of a good idea. He manages, then he can do his own thing. He doesn't have to worry about continuity. Letters page? Carlos Bermudez of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania asks an interesting question. If there are so many superpowered folks in New York, why are the citizens always so surprised to see them? Their reply is kind of lame. Uh, some things you just don't ever get used to. I think at this point... I would t- think if anybody, New Yorkers would be jaded to it all. <laughs> yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, it's 1984. The Marvel Universe has now existed for two decades. And while... Well, that's only like six months in Marvel. Yeah, two decades hasn't gone by in their time. It's been at least a few years. Yeah. Because Spider-Man's graduated high school and college by this point in time. Uh, so, yeah, I think that New Yorkers at this point in time wouldn't be that shocked. That whole pointing out She-Hulk on the street, I don't think would, yeah. unless it was tourists that saw Yeah. And but, you don't think the guy with the mesh shirt and the hoop earring was a tourist? <laughs> Mark Grunewald, in his comments on the letters page, mentions Assistant Editor's Month. You know, I'm getting a little tired of it. But I guess it does make a sort of sense, because in, in 1984, you didn't have the internet. You know, now, that stuff would be all over the internet for so long. But at this point in time, if you wanted to communicate with your readers, this was the only way you had to do it. So I can see why you'd keep you'd keep hitting the same points again and again and again in your books for months on end. Because how else are you going to talk to them? Do they ever do Assistant Editor's Month again? 
Uh, no. I don't think so. Either. So, yeah, I don't think the feedback was probably great. MVP? I gave it to Doctor Strange for figuring out what's going on since none of the Avengers are equipped for it. Well, Doctor Strange does manage to figure out, wait, no, he's not an Avenger. I know, you hate it when I do that. Well, Tiger gets the team to, wait, no, she's not an Avenger. <laughs> well, she's a reserve member. Pim hooks up medical equipment without killing no, anyone. No, no, no. No, wait, he's not an Avenger. Captain Marvel flies the Quinjet well? Wee. No crashes? <laughs> what about you? I thought it was interesting that she actually used her powers to zip back to New York and then went and picked up the Quinjet. It's a good, well, it's a good use of them because... It was weird because when they said what was going to... he's Dr. Strange like, well, I can't arrange transportation. And they said, well, we'll take care of it. And Captain Marvel took off. And I thought, how's Captain Marvel going to fly Dr. Strange back? She's going to peel his skin off if she tries to fly at the speed of light. No, it's it's yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's 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 good use of her powers. Yeah. Useless character? Uh, I gave it to pretty much everyone else. Yeah. I'm gonna pick on Star Fox. He is the only male member of the team at the moment. Um and I'm not going to go into poor white men. They've been so misused. But could we give him something? He's had nothing to do for issue upon issue now. He keeps telling people that he's a, an Avenger trainee. I think he's using that as an excuse for not having to do anything. Did you have a quote? I want to get back in my body. Yeah. Uh, Avengers level threat? Not to the Avengers. Not this issue. We don't see anything this issue that seems that threatening. Who cares about Spider Woman? What's your final grade? I gave it a C minus. Wow. I, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Doctor Strange. And I don't know. There's just not enough there to interest me. I don't. I give it a B minus. I don't love this issue. I have some issues with it. Huh. I have oh. some problems with it. I do, however, like the guest stars we get to see. I like Jessica Drew. I like seeing Tigra again. Yeah. I like I like the Shroud. But it really is an Avengers-adjacent story. I mean, Henry Pym hooked up some machines and stood there for a while. That's pretty cool. They just needed to... It, I, I just don't... I, I almost wish this was an annual, because it shouldn't really be in the main title. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the end of this one. Issue 241, March of 1984. This one is by Roger Stern and Anne Nocenti, with art by Al Milgram, and it is called Dark Angel. So Doctor Strange is doing his thing, making it possible for the non-magic Avengers to at least take part in this little adventure. Right away, we learn that he has set up a barrier at the door of Jessica Drew's hospital room that will only allow in the superheroes and leave that normal riffraff of professional medical experts outside. Scarlet Witch then over-explains what's going on in an attempt to make it sound both plausible and interesting. As Pym tries to look useful, and Strange struggles to keep the plot moving forward, Morgan Le Fay appears in ghostly high def to warn the team not to interfere. There's a quick recap of last issue's plot that thankfully leaves out Magnus's creeper-stalker vibe. She-Hulk shakes a fist at the villain, and Morgan decides to have a little fun, turning the room into a bonus scene from Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. With the help of Shroud's Dark Force powers, the team is able to distract Morgan long enough to jump into the astral plane themselves, apparently through the open viewing window that she created, and a bizarre fight breaks out, taking place on the landscape of a Steve Ditko wet dream. Back in reality, Pym and Wasp stand too close to one another as the good doctor sweats heavily and realizes he's out of his league. He seems so frazzled that I really hope Wasp has learned how to take a punch. Horrible. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Meanwhile, at Avengers Mansion, Cap has returned. Vision explains his status as Hawkeye welcomes the star-spangled superhero back to the fold. But then the computer equipment starts exploding and Cap feels the need to rub his chin. Are you sure you know what you're doing, Vision? Don't worry, Hawkeye interjects. I got married, and that's far more important than our security. 
Over on the astral plane, Morgan Le Fay has turned a hundred feet high and is snatching people off floating rocks, conveniently scattered about for our non-flying team members to stand on. The unconscious ghost of Magnus comes to his senses and... Wait, ghosts can be unconscious? Anyway, he musters all his power and pops out of sight. Doctor Strange notices that Morgan is putting more attention towards the Avengers and decides to use the distraction to rescue Spider-Woman. He fortifies her with power from the Eye of Agamotto, but it still isn't enough. Then Magnus reappears. Spider-Woman clings to him like a stripper extracting every dollar from a senile old man. It's kind of off-putting to see her wrap herself around his old friar tuck frame. Plus, they're both ghosts, so ew. Anyway, long story short, Magnus sacrifices what's left of his astral form to give Jessica the strength to return to her body. Morgan freaks out as the team intensifies its attacks on her. She leaps from her rocky form and tries to take over She-Hulk's body, but Doctor Strange traps her inside her rock head, and the team escapes through some kind of magic funhouse mirror. Jessica Drew is back in her body, but Pym announces that the ordeal changed her chemistry, so she no longer is Spider-Woman, and nobody seems to care except Wasp, who appears to be flinching at Dr. Pym crossing his arms. The end. You're such a jerk. <laughs> Our roll call. The team this time is the real Avengers. Wasp, She-Hulk, Star Fox, Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, and I guess Captain America, Vision, and Hawkeye across the country. They get help from Tigra, Hank Pym, Doctor Strange, and the Shroud. We see the ghost of Magnus. They rescue Spider-Woman, and our villain again is Morgan Le Fay. I am so glad I don't have to talk about any of these people. You have a lot of, you have a lot of notes. I have one note. My one note is you can tell Morgan Le Fay is bad because she's wearing skull earrings. <clears throat> or she's goth. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a lot to talk about with this issue either. I think you covered it pretty well. Uh, I will say that the power surges the Vision is detecting. He detected one last issue, detected one again. Do you know what they are? Uh, well, I would assume it has something to do with him being connected across the universe to Isaac. Nope. Do you want to know what they are? I would assume there's a leak in the roof and it's dripping on computers. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to see what this, what's causing this next issue, but I will give you a hint at its two words. Does that have something to do with ROM Space Knight? Secret Wars. Sorry. <laughs> That's coming, huh? Uh, next issue. Next issue will be all, or next episode will be all Secret Wars all the time. Two episodes will be ROM, well, not ROM, but Dire Race from mm-hmm. ROM Space Knight. And then the Beyonder shows up. Actually, we don't see the Beyonder for quite a while. because They just take people away to Battle World? Because well, in Secret Wars, they go and come back. Yeah. It's not until Secret Wars 2 rolls around. God oh, help that's us. right. Then he's like bouncing around in yeah. his jumpsuit. And he's in, I think, they, with I think, his mullet. I think there's three or four crossover issues with this book. Mm. It's so painful. Mm. The only other thing I wanted to mention was that I don't really have much. Look at that. Why is she like, ugh, she's hugging that guy. Oh, this is Spider-Woman hugs Magnus and she says, Oh, Magnus, but you're so pale. <laughs> what? You are ghosts. You're both completely white. What does that mean? I'm pretty sure you're... How are you even holding hands? Uh, Can ghosts hold hands? Well, I mean, they're technically... They're, they're not... Yes, they're not really ghosts. They're not ghosts. They're astral images. <laughs> I believe um, the correct term is. <laughs> but, but seriously, no matter what they are, they're all still bloody white. I mean, everything is white. There's no color. Of course he's pale. You're all pale. That annoyed me a little bit. And I swear there are pages of this book that do not look like Al Milgram penciled them. They look so non-Milgram, and now I've got to try and find one. I'm assuming he just fell asleep partway through. <laughs> like the rest of us. I don't have any other, con- <laughs> no other comments on this. Nope. Uh, anything of the bullpen Boltons? Uh, Tom DeFalco does an interview with Mark Grunwald, Mike Carlin, and Elliot R. Brown about the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. We learn that the whole thing was originally Jim Shooter's idea, and that Mark Grunewald is the one who decided who would be in it. Then there's a bunch of funny jokes, I guess. Was the I guess for the funny or the jokes? They were kind of funny. I yeah, don't they're know. actually not bad. Yeah, good interaction. 
the so the Mighty Marvel checklist this issue we see again that I think the hype box has gone for good because instead of just listing the issues what we now have is the name of the issue and then usually a short blurb after it so every issue is getting a little bit of attention instead of just three or four getting getting a paragraph letters page most of the letters debate whether or not Spider-Man should be a team member um that's eh, whatever Paul Olivieri of Fishkill New York wants to know the limit of Captain Marvel's power and, and and the team replies that her limit is the speed of light, which makes no sense. That may limit her speed, but not her power. What does her power have to do with the speed of light? Yeah, the, the answer is completely crap. What I like about his letter is he says he equates her power with Star Foxes. With her and Star Fox on the team, you don't need anybody else. And I'm like, wait, what? Isn't he also the one that wonders what Star Fox's hidden power is? Yes. Which, again, I'm pretty sure they've been pretty clear about at least once in the book. <laughs> they also tease about Star Fox's hidden power, which is apparently something other than being vaguely useless. <laughs> <laughs> There's also an item box here that explains uh, Mark Grunewald and Roger Stern recently sat down together at a convention and mapped out some big storylines for the Avengers. So big that they may need more than one book to tell them. What could that possibly mean? Fantastic Four crossover. <laughs> Any other letters? No. Randy Watts of Pacoima, California, says being in three books a month is more than enough for Spider-Man. So, first of all... <laughs> you have no idea. And the only way to put him in more books than that would be to clone him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Clone Saga and Spider-Man having like six titles a month. It's all Randy's fault. Now, wouldn't that be hilarious if that's what made them go, oh, that's good. <laughs> and we, we all... clone him and have him in more books. We're coming for you, Randy Watts. <laughs> and besides the, the, uh, the tease about another book... They also say, next issue, Thor has a surprise announcement, and it's going to bring a tear to my eye. He's coming out? That, no, a tear of sadness. He's turning into a frog. You'll see next issue, but I don't know if I'll be able to do the podcast after oh, next issue. Great. Uh, the question, we'll do the question of the month when we finish everything. <laughs> Haven't M- we? <laughs> MVP. I gave it to Doctor Strange again. I know you hate it, but this whole magic thing is not the Avengers wheelhouse. Certainly no one on the team is they're all useless. <laughs> yes. Let me throw my dart at my magical dartboard. It's got a witch. <laughs> What? That's just who the the magical dart hit. Uh, useless character? Star Fox. I picked Wasp. <laughs> Wait, didn't we pick the opposite of that last Yes. Time? I mean, she just stands around by her husband most of the issue, ex-husband most of the issue. Uh, do you have a quote taken out of context? If Spider-Woman is denied me, I shall take your body. Kind of plays. Avengers level threat? Again, not to the Avengers, no. Not really. Final grade. I gave it a C- minus again. I'm back at a B- minus again. I mean, it's, a, it's okay, but it's not an Avengers story. It's the rest of the story. That's about all it is. All right. So thank you, Steve Harvey. So, and that is... Was that him? Who and that? that is the rest of the story. Was the guy that did, like, huge pauses? Not he, Steve Harvey. No, who was that? Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. <laughs> I got my Harveys confused. It wasn't the Family Feud guy. Um... <laughs> Oh my gosh. So we were watching the Family Feud today really? at, at work. Yeah. yeah. And the question was, name something that has a trunk. An elephant? That's what I thought. A car? That's what that's what was my, named. My attic? So she <laughs> named the there were you know, you go twice. So the the first woman said a car. It was at the it was that round at the end. So the the next guy came out and he said a car and they beeped him. So his his choice is name something that has a trunk? My wife. Women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many people on the survey do you think picked that? But Fonda ain't got a motor in the back of her Honda. My anaconda don't want none unless I could not believe he picked women. I was just like, dude, you are so sleeping on the couch for the next six months. Zero people, by the way, in the survey picked women as their answer. Really? Yeah. I guess they didn't interview that guy. (laughs) Question of the month. 
Question of the month is if you could talk to oh, we didn't we didn't talk about I'm so sorry I feel like we if should go you back here. Could Gary. talk to the animals. We didn't talk about who their favorite authors were, and I'm uh, kind of curious. Really? Well, let's see if I'm curious. Roger Stern says Alfred Bester, who Raymond Chandler and Spike Milligan. I know Raymond Chandler. Spike Milligan's a writer. I thought he was a radio person. Al Milgram says author Treacher. Is that a joke? Huh. Isn't that what Christy Shield should have said? Uh, Joe Stennett says Mark Twain. Okay. Fine. Isn't that what, uh, does that shooter say that too? Jim Novak says, not Frederick Wortham. <laughs> Christy Scheel says, Gunter Grass. Okay, that's an author. Uh, Mike Carlin says, Tom Robbins. No, I don't know either. Mm-hmm. He was, I really liked him in The Player. Mark Grunewald says, Snorn. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Okay, or Philip K. Dick. We know Philip K. Sure, Dick. Yeah. And Jim Shooter says, oh, Jim Shooter says, does anyone really have a favorite author? Shut up, Jim. All right, so this question is, if you could talk to anyone who ever lived, who would it be? That's so, that's, again, this is one of those really difficult questions because I have so many answers. And the other question is, would they talk to me? Like, would they be willing to, you know, like, yeah, I, if I pick, it's like, what do you, if I pick FDR, is he going to answer my questions? Yeah, like, do you pick someone that's, like, going to tell you something important from history? Do you pick someone that you thought was interesting and was just, like, to have a conversation with? Like, there's so many different angles you could pull here. I would probably I would probably go with the same answer I said for my favorite author and say Kurt Vonnegut because every interview I've read with him has been very entertaining. I just think he'd be fun to talk to. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, it would be interesting to talk to, you know, a favorite author. I would love to talk to Agatha Christie. So you would go with Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah, I think I would. See, I would probably go with a historical figure. I'd love to talk to Martin Luther King or... Really? Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I respect Martin Luther King, but why would you want to talk to him? Or Teddy Roosevelt. John F. Kennedy or... No, I don't want to talk to Kennedy. Because his voice would annoy you? (laughs) No, I just... I mean, interest or Richard Nixon. If I could sit down and talk to Richard Nixon and be like, "So seriously, all right, then." There's Who'd probably I... better answers out there, and I just can't think of them. Who'd well, I bet with? they have them. Oh, I'm sure. Roger Stern would talk to Judge Crater. I don't know who that is. Just so I could ask him where he went. I don't know who that is either. Al Milgram would want to talk to his father, which is another way to do it. Well, isn't that nice? Joe Sinnott says General Custer. Why? Why? Yeah, because he was kind of a jerk. You want to like, talk him out of going? You don't want to go there, man. Don't do it. Jim Novak says Leonardo da Vinci, which is. That's fair. It's great if you speak Renaissance Italian. Well, he says my my <laughs> wife would have to translate. Christy Scheel says Fran- Francisco de Goya in his later years. Artist. P- painter. Mm-hmm. Mike Carlin says Mr. Green Jeans. I don't know who that is. From Captain Kangaroo. That's what I was I'm pretty thinking. sure he was alive at the time. Mark Grunwald does his that Snorn Sturlitzen again. Oh, and Jim Shooter says Mark Twain. Although he didn't pick him as his favorite author. No. That would, I, I, I would burst into the room and go, you know what? He didn't pick you as his favorite author. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. He wants to talk to you now. <laughs> Mark Twain could be interesting. I think Ben Franklin would be more interesting now that I think about it. Oh, I think Benjamin Franklin would be great to talk to. I think he'd be fascinating. Edison, although I heard he was kind of a jerk. Harry Houdini. Oh, my gosh. I'd... Fascinating. I oh, fascinating. At least I can't stand him. No, <laughs> like, wait, no, no, I love Houdini. Yeah, I would love to talk to Harry Houdini. That's an amazing choice. I like that one quite a bit. Well, Jason, I think we've wasted enough of everybody's time. Plenty of time. I'll edit all that out. On our next episode, Thor returns. Vision takes charge. Most of the team vanishes and returns a few days later. And Hawkeye is elected to chair a West Coast Avengers team. I wonder what they'll call it. <laughs> ah, that's all we have this week, folks. Thanks for listening again. If you want to get in touch with us, our email is mail at avenginghour.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at avenginghour. You can go to our Facebook page if you want to look at all the same stuff that's on all that other thing. Avenginghour.com is our website. Thanks for listening.